0: You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these uninspired inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students.
1: One of those quotes that really, um, pardon the pun, ignited a certain passionate response to this work was Uh, Katagiri Roshi's comment, meditate as if your head was on fire. Can you have that kind of intensity in what it is that you're doing on your cushion or on your chair? Because if you can, what you really do is you provide a certain spiritual fuel towards the light of your own consciousness. And that light is equal to what's at the essence of all beings. In other words, all beings have it. Everything has this infinite capacity, yet it's continually obfuscated, continually covered, continually ignored whenever we have a personalized sense of existence. So, Nagarjuna had this wonderful quote where he says, Things derive their being and nature by mutual dependence and are nothing in themselves. Things derive their being and nature by mutual dependence and are nothing in themselves. I want to talk about the last part of what he says. They are nothing in themselves. This has several different meanings, but the most profound, I think, is this no-thing-ness that is at the core of all things. The birth of all things comes from this source, this no-thing-ness. So, recognizing this no or nothingness and our relationship to it helps break down the relationship we have with it. In other words, the me subject in here, the ego, the self, breaks down when it recognizes nothing, that it is nothing, that all beings are nothing. So, we could also call this emptiness. We could also call it spirit. We could call it a formless awareness. We could call it witness. We could ca- There are all sorts of names that we could give to it. But essentially what we're really trying to present the small self to is the big self-non-identification with emptiness. And once we do that, consciously, there is liberation, there is freedom, there is deep openness, there is radical honesty, there is no place to hide. So, all arises out of total emptiness... And our connection with emptiness, while always there, becomes conscious when we stop moving. When we experience stillness. And this is why we sit. Sitting still, consciously stilling the body and mind, allows for us to till the soil from which this radical honesty this openness spirit itself blooms in the form of us. It's deeply impersonal. There is nothing personal about this bloom because it is precisely what is at the core of everything that we hold to be personal. Our identity, our ideas, our thoughts, our beliefs, our habitual patterns, our contractions, our grasping. This is the other direction. It is beyond mind, and it is not bound by any sense of past or future. It is therefore beyond time. So this radical emptiness is there all the time. It has always already been there. It has never left. So, what is it? Words kind of start getting in the way, actually. I mean, we can point to it, we can use words as markers, but it's very, very difficult to actually talk about no thingness. even though all things derive their being in nature by mutual dependence and are nothing in themselves, as Nagarjuna said, this nothingness is what everything is. Can we apprehend it consciously? We can do it in a number of different ways, but I want to kind of map out how we have pushed in, in our sangha in this direction. And that is we've spoken a great deal about how ego occupies this space of the protagonist and every other character on the stage of mind. And on that stage, there is a series of senses that are common among people. Sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. Those occur, we recognize them for what they are, and they are bound because we can label each one of those things. Our separate self-sense can look at each one of those sensations and give it a story, write a script about it. Those five senses then give way, at least in the Eastern traditions, to a sixth sense, which isn't in the view we typically hold, you know, because of uh, media and other stuff, not the sixth sense like, I can read your mind, but the sixth sense of mind, that all thoughts, your sense of thinking is a sense. We allow that one to be number six, the sense of mind, of idea, of conviction, of belief. The seventh sense we can recognize as our sense of time, our sense of past and future, our sense of everything that is not now everything that is bound by time is evaluated categorized and dealt with by our seventh sense and this is where we usually live the gift However, the offering is that we can go past that into an eighth sense. And that eighth sense is our ability to witness time. It's our ability to be aware of our thoughts. It's our ability to be open to a recognition of all of the five senses Sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. We can witness each one of those things. Okay? What's left? We spent all this time on the witness. Is there more? Yeah. It's no-thingness. It's the no-thingness that all things actually are at their essence. It's the source, in other words, of all thingness. We can call it emptiness, we can call it a void, we can call it no thingness. But what's miraculously apparent as we still ourselves through practice continually and there is an intentionality behind it to meet this emptiness what we recognize is that it is not empty at all the recognition that is experienced is that it is a complete and utter fullness of all things as one thing And what is that one thing no thing kind of a koan, huh? There is nothing here except what we have built our lives around. Usually with senses one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Especially six and seven. So this ninth sense really isn't a sense at all. It is the source and essential nature of all senses, of all connection that we may have. Just like the essential nature of water is wetness. No matter what depth you go to, no matter what storms may be raging on the surface of an ocean, the essential nature of water is not vapor It is not liquid. It is wetness. Emptiness is the essential nature of every single thing. And when we sit still, we can apprehend it. We can meet it. And there is an unmistakable recognition that it is more than a feeling, or a sense, or an intuition. The ninth sense is the exact awareness in which all experience arises and falls. It is the essential quality of feelings, sensations, and intuition. Our ever-so-slightly contracted sense of this primordial awareness is what we call witness. Witness, in other words, is almost like a tiny contraction of emptiness that allows us to experience, allows us to have an invitation to open more fully to emptiness itself. As emptiness itself. And nothing is outside of this awareness. It's the timeless companion of each and every moment of our existence and no matter what our particular state of consciousness might be, it's there. We might call this one taste of the all, as they do in some traditions. We might call it Christ consciousness in other schools of thought. Others might call it knowing with a capital K. We might call it the ninth sense, as we've just uh, discussed here, but whatever name we choose, it is never anything other than the awakened totality of everything at each moment, and it is infinitely available to each of us in each and every single breath, in each and every single tragedy, in each and every single success in each and every single one of our children's tears. It's with us at each of our lonely moments, in our deepest darkness, and in the inextinguishable, blinding light of the expansive and clear truth of our being, we dissolve with an open heart and an open mind that have no home. So this ninth sense, this infinity expresses itself in everything and in every way, as everything and every way, as long as we're there for it. We just need to be enlivened and awakened to its power through an unattached, intentional, impersonal intimacy with every single thing that arises.
0: So everything is nothing. Yeah. Try, trying to comprehend all this. I know I'm not supposed to use the mind, but going into the ninth sense with everything is nothing. Mm-hmm. Where does love come in?
1: Miraculously, that is love. That's what, yeah. I mean that's but, I, but...
0: But I'm not supposed to...
1: <laughs> you, yeah. can, you can do whatever you want. But if you use love as a way of defining mm. love, okay. it diminishes love, doesn't it? Right, right. So allow it. That allowing at that level is love.
0: So part of the process is, is to empty, is emptying.
1: Hmm. I ha- actually hadn't thought of it like that, but sure, yeah.
0: I I have this poem in my mind by Chang Si, or one of those Chinese guys, uh-huh. who talks about being in an empty boat mm-hmm. is a lot safer and better than being in a full boat, because mm-hmm. if someone hits you, you're freer. Right. I love
1: that image. Yeah, sure, if, uh, if we look at emptying, I mean, at least in that capacity, it's being unattached, right? And it doesn't mean that you don't participate fully in the world of form it just means that what you are participating with is much more spacious than a crowded boat. And so sometimes I look... I found it helpful, especially in in practice, to look at this process as being a process of unlearning. Not gaining letting go emptying the boat that's that's precisely it and when the boat dissolves and the ocean dissolves the ninth sense radiates fully through our uh, driving habits on the uh, on the freeway and the way we order our latte in the morning and in the way we kiss our loved ones and smell flowers and clean up dog poop. (laughs) That's my practice. Puppy poop galore.
0: Mm. Empty puppy. If if I understood you correctly at the beginning, you said um, all things arise through connection. So, ego is connection. That's mm-hmm. just a, another way of l- looking at it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ego is positively, totally divine, imbued with emptiness, just like everything else. It happens to be, however unbelievably gifted at attaching to itself and in attaching to itself it contracts and holds and its job is to remain defensive
0: and connected
1: and totally connected not just connected knitted to
0: an interpretation
1: exactly to a feeling exactly to a
0: perspective
1: exactly yeah And when we sit still, the perspective of which you just spoke begins to alter. Ego can't hang on as easily if the perspective begins to alter, if the perspective from being contracted begins to shake loose and open. Suddenly, we have a perspective that nourishes that which is precisely not egoic. And then ego begins to fight back in every way it can. Does this mean that it is miraculously separate from the ninth sense? No. It's totally connected and imbued with ninth ninth sense awareness. But it's contracted. It is absolutely cloudy out for ego the radiant shine of the sun of emptiness isn't something that's going to get into that through that weather pattern willingly I should say it will do it in this lifetime with stillness You can have even more than one if you want.
0: You, said, or his statement uh, meditate as if your head is on fire.
1: Yeah. Meditate as if your head is on fire, right? It's uh, meditate as if your ha- hair is on fire? Well, then I'm lucky. That's as i, I mean, Right. Yeah.
0: But I interpret that, I, I find it difficult to stand. Fire very long. Mm-hmm. If you think of it as, a, as, as an analogous to exercising, yeah, you approach something, you do repetitions, and mm-hmm. then you take a rest. Right. You swim. You take a rest. whatever. If it's a serious endeavor, mm-hmm. physical endeavor, mm-hmm. uh, is it? I don't know if that's the right metaphor, but. Uh, it seems like meditating as if your head is up. You need to take a rest every now and then. Right. Or whatever, a pause, an interval. If mm-hmm. you do intervals in meditation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that interval oftentimes comes in the form of the Dharma rain that comes out of the teacher's face. It quenches that fire, only to reignite it at a different level. When the teaching hits you just right, whatever that teaching is, and whoever the teacher is. So I can't use a stopwatch. You, of course, you can use a stopwatch. Yeah, it's it's important, Paul. It's an important question because what what you what you need to uh, uncover within is the gift of the interval. If you attach to the practice, you kill the practice. If you attach to not practicing, you kill the practice. And this is why Nagarjuna, back to where we started at the beginning of this talk, Nagarjuna was so specific about walking the middle way. You're neither form nor emptiness, but a miraculous, spontaneous combination of the two, at all times. Can you walk with both, instead of one or the other? If you are totally trapped in the world of form, you don't know the other. If you are totally trapped in emptiness, the world of form has no meaning, and you are precisely half of the Buddha.
0: So it's the awareness of two,
1: form
0: and emptiness, that keeps us in the middle. Exactly.
1: It is awareness of the two, formlessness and form.
0: So I have the feeling you're walking down an alley, each wall being one or the other, and sort of drunkenly bouncing off form into emptiness. Right.
1: Yeah, it's Scylla and Charybdis, isn't it? How do you get through? How did he do it? How did he get through? How did he sail with his men between Sil and Charybdis? I, I, I mean, he wasn't that successful if if my mythology is uh but you have to you you go right down the razor's edge.
0: With a hope and a prayer.
1: With a hope and a prayer, yeah, with hope and a prayer. That's exactly right. And that hope
0: That adds c- to the uncertainty of it all. It
1: absolutely, and guess what? That's all there ever is. Is uncertainty. Yeah. And the minute there's a relaxation into that fundamental truth of uncertainty, the minute there's relaxation into that, the mask comes off, you're totally naked, and miraculously, you embody the love of emptiness. Miraculously, you touch the world with a volcanic eruption of loving kindness, compassion, wisdom. Even in the way you eat your pizza, you enlighten, you awaken not just yourself, but everybody else.
0: Are there other ways besides sitting meditation to get to this point?
1: Sure. sure. Chanting. Yeah. And Oh, that's just my personal preference. Right. I, uh, uh, yeah.
0: Do you have to start with sitting meditation side? So you can start with...
1: Childbirth. Did you have a still mind when you went through childbirth? I can't remember. You can't remember. <laughs> well, I, I yeah. I, I mean, oftentimes great activity mm-hmm. can give us the spaciousness of no mind. Mm-hmm. When we are... Absolutely, fully, and totally committed to an activity, mm-hmm. we tend to lose sense of right. number six and seven. We lose the, se- the, si- the sense number six, which is idea, mind, mental orientation, cognition. We tend to that goes off to the side, and our sense of time, past and future, tends to fall away. And what does that leave us with? a doorway a million feet wide into witnessing awareness, number eight, and number nine, the ninth sense, emptiness itself, when our mind is totally still. And this can happen at any point because it's always already there. It's never not there. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, covered up by all these other senses, all these other pieces, bits, particulate uh, participation in motion. When I say particulate, I mean in in our hearts and minds, in the world of form. The world of form moves, maybe slowly, but it is born and it dies. And what it is born from never moves. Nothing has ever happened there. That's our ninth sense. We can access that in a million different ways. It's just that sitting still is not only (laughs) time-tested, but it is also the physical actualization of that stillness. And while awakening tends to be spontaneous, it can happen in the midst of great activity. As long as you don't attach to that, because it's easier, because the ego doesn't want to go there. Ego can come in the back door of this whole experience, as you know, and say, well, you know, the sitting's pretty painful, so, or the sitting's really boring, so let's do something Maybe else. Maybe I'll just yeah. swim my way to the ninth sense. I will... <laughs> Yeah, which isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But where you resist, that's the yellow brick road. That'll take you straight into what the wizard really is.